0: Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message. So, we started a new series two weeks ago uh, called the, the Balance of Grace and Faith. We spoke about the distinction in your Bible between the Old and the New Testament. And uh, the message is online. Please go back and listen to that message, it is fundamental to your walk with God. Then last week we had a brief interruption because of our ENLI graduation. Wonderful, wonderful time. We had Bishop uh, Lucas Katenda here sharing the word. And uh, today we're continuing with part two of our series. And so it is is really foundational that you take note of, of what we're doing here. Because otherwise, if you don't understand this distinction, you will live as an Old Testament saint while Christ has made available New Testament realities. And many people are living in bondage because they have not transitioned. So the first week we spoke about the covenants of the Bible and how they affect our lives. Number two, today we're speaking about the Old Covenant law, the Old Testament, the law of Moses the covenant of Moses and next week we'll speak about the cup of the new covenant what is the new covenant what is the new testament how does it operate and then on the fourth week we'll speak about living by grace through faith how you live within the New Testament and how you take advantage of what we have in the New Testament amen so let us just pray before we get into the word father thank you Lord God for the celebration this morning and Lord, we want to elevate your word above every other opinion. Lord, you are God, and there is no other. And so we humble ourselves beneath your word, Lord God. Speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, and so today we're speaking about the Old Covenant. Now, remember in the first week we spoke about the distinction in your Bible between the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Right? If your Bible isn't a uh, 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 app, if you've got like a, a hard copy, real Bible here, then it's got two partitions. Amen. And we said that the Old Testament or the Old Covenant doesn't start at Genesis. Okay, where does it start? It starts in Exodus. At which mountain? Mount Sinai where Moses comes down the mountain and God is saying, okay, let the people consecrate themselves. I'm coming on the mountain, and I'm going to have a covenant with the nation of Israel. And we said that a covenant is an agreement that is based on vows, that is based on gifts, and that has the shedding of blood to seal it, just like a marriage covenant. All right. And so God makes a covenant with Israel, And the reason why he does that, we'll see why he gave the Lord just now, but one of the key reasons is so that he consecrates one nation, one tribe out of the earth so that through them, the Messiah can be manifested in the flesh. Do you understand? Sometimes you ask, why why are the Jews more special than others? Yes. Yes. Why? Because God chose them to do the special work of physically manifesting the Son of God. Do you understand? We're talking here bloodlines. Very important because of what Adam did. So God was going to bring a nation out in order to bring the Christ and then after the Christ is manifested, He was going to make all the other nations special through the Christ. Are you with me? All right, so let's go here to Galatians chapter 4. From verse 4 to 5, let's read it together, one to go. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Alright, so when the fullness of time came, meaning that God was bringing an appointment in time. This is so significant because this is why we have that division in our history that says BC AD. Before Christ and after the year of our Lord. It is the full, when the fullness of time came, when the culmination of God's word came through the prophets. Christ was manifested It says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. All things were made by Him. And so Jesus is manifested in the fullness of time, and then it says God sends forth His Son, born of a woman. Very important. Why? Because Jesus is coming to be a high priest. To represent who? Mankind. And according to God's law, you cannot represent a people whom you are not like. Your high priest must come from among you. And he must have the same experiences that you have had so that he can represent you to God. So Jesus, born of a woman... Born of a virgin, so that he can sit, circumvent the curse that comes from the male seed. Are you with me? Because the, 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 the genealogy is coming from the male seed. For those of you who don't like, no, it's, it's like males are at the top. This is ordained order. The husband, the wife. It's, ordained, it's designed. Right? Obviously the devil has perverted the whole thing. And so Adam, he falls in his nature and he passes his nature on through his seed. And so God, by having his offspring through a virgin, circumvents the human race that came from Adam. And brings in a new race. Are you with me? Born of a woman. Born under the law. Very important. Jesus came to fulfill the law, the covenant of Moses. Hence he was born under that covenant. There was no way for a new covenant to exist anyway. Without him coming because he introduced the new. Alright? Where does the New Testament start? Respond. If you read your Bible, people used to ask Jesus many questions. Where does the New Testament start? After the resurrection. Mm, Some people have been listening. (laughs) Because most people, when you open your Bible, what does it say? New Testament and then it says? Yeah, then it starts with the genealogy and the birth of Jesus, right? The New Testament technically does not start there. Cause Jesus is born where under under the law. To redeem those who were under the law. So Jesus is coming under the law to fulfill and this is why he's submitting under John the Baptist and the prophets because he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He's not just coming to be a good teacher, he's coming to fulfill the first covenant so that he can set it aside and bring in a new one. Are you with me? Alright, let's, let's go on now. Now, this is a question today. Seven reasons why the law was given. I remember someone asking over the last two weeks, if God knew that the old covenant and the Old Testament was inferior, that it was weak, that it was a covenant of death and condemnation, Why did he give it to us? Why did such a loving God give us something that would destroy us? Today, we are going to answer that question. All right? Seven reasons why the law was given. I'll give you in summary. You don't want to miss any of these. Now, those of us who are here today, unless if you were born from one of the 12 tribes of Israel, we are all Gentiles. Are you with me? Meaning non-Jews. Okay? And were you there? Were your grandparents there at Mount Sinai when the law was given? No. We were somewhere in Africa. Amen? Probably Namibia. Right? And this is what the word of God says. That we were aliens to the covenants of God. We were foreigners to the household of Israel. Yeah? Yeah? To the promises, to the commonwealth. We were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Okay? Without God and without hope in this world. We were worshipping ancestors and worshipping stone and worshipping gold and worshipping created things. Is it because there was something wrong with us? Yes. The whole creation was corrupted when Adam fell. Every man was separated from God and the only thing he would worship is anything but God. Alright, now the first reason why the law was given is one, because of trespasses to restrain sin until Christ. Number two, to expose sin as exceedingly even evil and deadly. Three, as a schoolmaster unto Christ. Four, to stop every mouth and every self-justification. Five, to make or reveal all people guilty before God 6 as a shadow and a metaphor of the realities in Christ and 7 to distinguish Israel from all other nations now this is not an exhaustive list you might have two other reasons why the law was given these these are the major major ones okay let's go here through number 1 galatians chapter 3 because of trespasses to restrain, uh, restrain until Christ. Now this is the issue. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, sin entered in and what followed sin? Death. Because there is a spiritual law that says that soul that sins must die. The wages of sin is death. You understand? So therefore when sin entered the world, death began to rule. Began to rule. And man became subject to the fear of death. And corruption, not only mankind, the whole creation was subjected to corruption. Alright? And so God then introduces the law, especially in the nation through which he wants to bring the Messiah. And they would be then a light to other nations as to what needs to be restrained in the earth and considered to be sin and evil. So let's read here together Galatians chapter 3 verse 19. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions. Hold on. What is a transgression? What kind of sin? Hmm? Hmm? A transgression or a trespass is the kind of sin that is committed when you know it is wrong. And you are defiant and rebellious and you say, I will do it anyway. That is a transgression. Some of you, I I have never done transgressions. (laughs) No, some people do it in their heart. I will do it anyway. On the outside they look good, but on the inside transgressor. Okay? other forms of sin is iniquity it's like it comes from your nature it's like a curse the sin is there like a monster forcing you okay because of transgressions until the seed capital s who is who is that seed jesus to whom the promise referred had come continue the law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. Who is that mediator? No, no, not Jesus. Moses. In, in, in lesson number one, in lesson number one, we read, okay, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Very distinct. Okay? So who was the mediator of the law? Moses. You will even see how Moses stands outside of this relationship between God and Israel. At one point God said, Moses, get out of my way. I'm going to destroy these people. And, and Moses said, Oh God, repent! God, repent of this. This evil that you want to do against your people. What will the Egyptians say? He brought them out so that you could destroy. Right? So Moses is mediating between God and man. Right? Mighty man, this Moses. And this is why when Jesus comes on the scene and he's saying, no, a greater than Moses is here and all the people are like, Ay, man, we don't even know who your father is. You know what I mean? What, who is, what kind of mother do you have is what they are saying. Okay, let's move on. So a mediator implies, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Then number two, uh, verse 21. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. This is very crucial. Let's read together. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. Do you understand? There are many of us that think... Keeping the commandments of God is what gives me my right standing and qualifies me for life before God. If that was the case, Christ would not have come. This is what the word of God says. If righteousness is by the law, Christ died for nothing. Quote unquote Romans. If righteousness is by the law, Christ died for nothing. All right. And then it says, but scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin. So that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, must be, might be given to those who believe. Not those who obey the law. Do you see? Why? Because who can obey the law? Nobody! Nobody. I said, no. I've been obeying the law since I was young. Okay, we will get to you. Let's go to the next one. So, go back quickly. So, this is what was happening. Sin enters the world. And what does sin do? It, It destroys. The only way, without a new creation, without a new race, a new species coming into the earth, the only way to restrain sin is by threats. And by destroying those who do it. Do you understand? It's like the principle of amputation. During the healing series, we were talking about that. Remember? Why? Because God couldn't heal the body. But there was a cancer in it. And what do the doctors do? And we say, wow, wow. What a successful, a successful um, operation. We don't say, oh, what such a vicious doctor. Such an evil doctor. Why? Because he is doing something that is for the greater good of the body. So in the same way God was coming in and destroying sin. But sin was in man. And therefore he had to destroy those men and women who were behind it. Hence the flood. It's an amputation. That one almost amputated the whole body. It only left Noah... And then say, said, okay, let's start with you, let's start again. And then he introduces the law, and the law is a, a, an, a barrier for mankind to say, don't cross. And if you cross, you'll be stoned by the very community. Do you understand? To restrain sin, restrain it, until the promised seed comes. This is why the law was given, amen? Could anyone keep it? This is what Paul said to to the apostles in Jerusalem. He said, you want to put the law on the Gentiles. A law that even us and our ancestors could not keep. For thousands of years we were trying. The best of us, even Moses. (laughs) and the one who was holding the broke it. And then they killed some people after that. (laughs) Okay, let's keep going. Number two, the reason why the law is given is to expose sin as exceedingly evil and deadly. Romans 7, verse 7. Let's read quickly here. Therefore, what are we to say? That the Torah is sinful. The Torah is the law. When you look at Jewish language, the law. Huh? The first five books of, of the Torah is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. Okay? Now the Torah or the law... Are we saying that the law is sinful? Heaven forbid. Rather the function of the law was that without it I would not have known what sin is. For example, I would not have become conscious of what greed is if the Torah of the law had not said thou shalt not covet. But sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment worked in me all kinds of evil desires, for apart from the Torah or the law, sin is death. What does that mean? There's no sin if there is nothing that says this is sin. But does it remove the effects of sin? No. You see, so sin was an undercover agent that came into the earth, bringing destruction, and nobody knows and can tell where is this death coming from. And so God introduces the law to expose sin. By doing what? By bringing something good in and showing that sin actually uses that to kill you. Let's continue here. It says, I was once, verse 9, I was once alive outside the framework of the Torah or the law. But when the commandment really encountered me, sin sprang to life. And I died. The commandment that was intended to bring me life was found to be bringing me death. For sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me. And through the commandment, sin killed me. So the Torah is holy. That is, the commandment is holy, just, and good. Then did something good become for me the source of death? Heaven forbid. Rather, it was sin working death in me through something good so that sin might be clearly exposed as sin so that sin through the commandment might come to be experienced as sinful beyond measure are you with me so without the law sin was working undercover and you will see the judgments of god were limited. But when the law entered in, there was now a framework and a system that sin could actually bring consequence with warning. Because beforehand, sin was killing you without warning. Now sin kills you more boldly. And uses even your brother and your priest to do it. Amen? So reason number two, to expose sin as exceedingly evil and deadly. Reason number three, as a schoolmaster unto Christ. Galatians chapter 3 verse 24. It says, in other words, the law was our guardian. Another version says our schoolmaster or our teacher, our tutor. Our childminder or tutor or an attendant slave who watched over the child in a wealthy Greco-Roman household. Leading us to or until Christ so that we could be made right with God. Declared righteous, justified through faith. Verse 25, now the way of faith, of faith has come, and we no longer live under the guardian, the childminder. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, you are all children or sons of God through faith. Can you put us, for us, the NIV version of of Galatians 3 verse 24? Just so that you can see it here briefly without the... Elaborations and the explanations Galatians 3 verse 24 For those of you who believe that we are still Under the law And what does the law say? Thou shalt not covet. it So don't say no These are only the ceremonial hand washings And don't eat pork Don't eat prawns No Yeah prawns Some of you are like I don't eat, I don't eat pork, I'm a Jew And then you are at ocean basket <laughs> And then he said to me, you know, the Lord, <laughs> Galatians chapter 3, let's read together. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Next one. Now that this faith has come, no longer under the guardian. Why? Because the purpose of the guardian was not in itself. It was Christ. The whole purpose of mankind, the fulfillment and the destiny of mankind is only found in one thing. Christ Jesus. Without him, you are just a piece of meat decaying under a hot sun. That's all. You are no different from the pig. Why? This is what Romans says. He says we exchange the glory of God for created things. We became like the things that we worship. Exchange, creating created things instead of the, 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 the glorious God who is to be worshipped. Amen? So, coming to church and having a relationship with Jesus is not just something you do as a hobby on the side. You are fulfilling your purpose. For this reason, I was manifested for fellowship with Almighty God. Amen? Okay, take us back. We must rush here. Okay, so it's a schoolmaster. So this is what the law does. It whips you. It's a hush. It's not a nice teacher from uh, the blue class. Né? A blue class or from the uh, great R. It is, it is a proper tutor. A, I can't see a stick now properly. But hmm? Yeah, but this is not even good enough. You know. The, the law is a schoolmaster to drive us to Christ. We'll get there. Go to number four. To stop every mouth and self-justification. Ask your neighbor, are you a good person? Most of them will say, Yeah, man. I'm definitely a good person. Who are they comparing themselves with? Hitler, (laughs) Mussolini, (laughs) Trump. That's how some people are, you know, comparing themselves, Joe Biden, you know. I'm a good person, you know. I might have killed one person, but I didn't kill them all. (laughs) No, people think they are good. This is the self-deception. Every man will declare all his own goodness, even before God. Yeah, I'm a good person. Right? Romans 3 verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that the murmurs and excuses of every mouth may be hushed and all the world may be held accountable or guilty to God. For no person will be justified, made righteous, acquitted and judged acceptable in his sight by observing the works prescribed by the law. For the real function of the law is to make men recognize and be conscious of sin. Not mere perception, but an acquaintance with sin which works towards repentance, faith, and holy character. Do you understand? So, you say you are a good person. Have you lied before? Yeah, I've lied, but it was like a white lie. You see? (laughs) Now you're trying to deceive the whole world again. Have you ever stolen something, taken something that's not yours? Yeah, but it was something small. It was in grade 1. <laughs> so you were a thief from uh, birth. <laughs> no, it was in grade 1. I stole it. Yeah, you were a thief in grade 1. Have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? The law comes to keep you quiet. You know, when a man is talking too much, you know, when you preach the gospel to him, and he's talking too much. Yeah but, yeah, 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 but God has to explain himself to me. Where is he? huh? Where is he? Huh? Let him come and show himself to me. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. And the angels are just like. <laughs> and it's only the cross that is restraining them for a season. Because the time will come when they will be harvesting. Wicked men. Gather the wheat and gather the the tares and throw the tares into the fire. Ah, But How can a loving God make hell? Hell is for evil people. Who is that evil people? You and me! Have you ever thought of that? Some say, where is God? Why doesn't God come sooner? It's because if He comes sooner, He won't just come for the murderers and the rapists. He will come for those of us who are here, (laughs) who lie, who deceive, who covet even those of us who think we are good so god is patient restraining himself until we get truth amen number five how does god's impartial judgment or will work i'm just gonna sort of fly over this one romans 2 verse 12 it speaks about what about those who have not had the law let's read it everyone who sinned outside the law you see, will be judged outside the law. And those who sin from within the law will be judged by means of the law. After all, it isn't those who hear the law who are in the right before God. It's those who do the law who will be declared to be in the right. This is how it works. Gentiles, us, don't possess the law as their birthright. Did you hear that? None of us received the law. It's not in our family. Where did we get it? At church. From our Bible. Reading where? In the Old Testament. Okay. And then it keeps on saying. This is how it works. Gentiles don't possess the law as their birthright. But whenever they do what the law says. They are a law for themselves. Despite not possessing the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their conscience bears witness as well and their thoughts will run this way and that way sometimes accusing them and sometimes excusing on the day when according to the gospel that i proclaim god judges all human secrets through king jesus i'm telling you there is nothing that you've done that will not be that has not been seen by heaven some of us are quick to point in the newspaper Mm-mm-mm and then God is looking on the earth and you are the very one who has a massive plank in your eye you cannot see that you need redemption as well let's keep going number five the purpose of the law is to make and reveal all to be guilty before God Who did this? Jesus Christ. So he comes, born under the law, to elevate the law, and then to fulfill it. It's like a debt. When you go to the bank, you get a loan. Five-year loan or something. Then there's interest to it and you have to pay it. And then someone comes and says, okay, let me pay your loan off for you. How many of you, after someone paid off your loan for you, will continue to pay to the loan? Huh? Do you love the bank that much? No. In the same way, the old covenant had its demands and expectations. Man was indebted. And who came? Jesus came and he said, it is finished. He paid it off. And then there are some who say, no, it's not finished. <laughs> and we continue to pay, pay, pay to that system. Look here what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 18 For those who think they are good it says For assuredly assuredly I say to you Till heaven and earth pass away One jot or one tittle Will by no means pass from the Lord Till 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 all is fulfilled Then what will happen? The jots and the tittles will Pass Do you understand? Let's keep going. This is important. Jesus didn't come for a halfway work. He came to fulfill it completely. Verse 19, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless the, your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. How many of you, your righteousness has exceeded that of the scribes and the Pharisees? Huh? Without Christ, hello, baby. Nobody. Yeah, the scribes and the Pharisees were the experts of the law. Right? They would wear certain things and dress certain things and have all these things in order to have that fulfilled. Do you understand? And so Jesus is saying what he's lifting it up and say uh, the the water. You know when you're in a swimming pool. How many of you uh, can swim? Yeah. You know, (laughs) our oceans are for fishing, not swimming. Right? When you are in a swimming pool, you can have a certain level where everyone is like, "Ah, ah, then there comes a level where if you add water, now only the swimmers are swimming. (laughs) The others have to be removed. Right? Then there comes a time where even the swimmers are too tired. And they all sink. This is what Jesus is doing. Lift. Lift the level. Lift. Because right now all the people are being condemned by the scribes and Pharisees. And they are the ones who are (laughs) cursed. We are here. And Jesus comes and he elevates it. Right? Let's go here continuing on verse 21. You have heard it said to those of hold. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the counsel. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Have you ever called someone a fool? Have you ever sang a song with that? Verse 23, therefore if... You bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him. Lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assuredly I say to you, you'll by no means get out of there. Until you have paid the last penny. So he's making sure everybody's sins are exposed. Remember when Jesus, when they brought the woman caught in adultery? Just the woman caught in adultery? How can you catch someone in adultery and only one person came? Takes two to be caught in adultery. Eh? And then they brought, brought her to Jesus and then asked. The law of Moses. Moses said to us. Moses who, who, who parted the Red Sea, we don't know what you did. <laughs> Moses who parted the Red Sea said to us that such a one should be stoned. And then Jesus goes down and he starts writing. Have you seen that? And, and, and the Bible doesn't reveal what he's writing. But many say it was on the temple grounds where it was stoned. And so he's writing like the finger of God on the tablets of stone of Moses. And then he says, he who has no sin cast the first stone. Tell your neighbor you have no sin. Cast the first stone. Cuz sometimes I see you throwing stones. <laughs> Some are just looking straight. <laughs> You know, this is good news, you know. Uh, All of us have been disqualified. Even for those of us who are smart here, you know. We like to boast about our 90%, 100%, 95%, cum laude and whatever. In this area, we are all failures. Line up for help. Go to the next one. Let's go here. (laughs) Matthew 5, verse 27. Jesus continues. This is the same scene, okay. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her or a man to lust for him has already committed adultery with her or him in his heart or her heart. If you, then he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. <laughs> These were guys who were saying, no, I don't commit adultery. I stone those who commit adultery. And now he's being told, pluck your Eye out. You see why they killed Jesus. (laughs) And I always tell the guys, you know, if you were in Jesus Connect, because many people say, I wish I was one of Jesus' disciples, you know, just following the master wherever he went, seeing the miracles, and oh no, it wasn't always like that. You sometimes have to send a WhatsApp to the group and say, What's Jesus preaching on today? (laughs) No, he's preaching, he's calling the, the Pharisees. A brood of vipers. Okay, I'm not coming, I'm sick. Because <laughs> all of us will be beaten today. <laughs> if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, the correlations are really weird. If your right hand causes you to sin, Cut it off. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Did any of you do this? Are any of you guilty of this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the work of the law. Everyone must get quiet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. Right? Even those ones in the house, you know, always telling the wife, "Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah, yeah. Shh. Right? Always telling the husband, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Shh. Right? Jesus is the bright light that exposes all sin, and He elevated this law. This was his ministration under the law. And you will see many parables that he's sharing about the kingdom of God. right? Saying the kingdom of God is here, it's at hand. But he couldn't really bring it into introduction. You remember the woman that wanted healing? What did he say to her? It's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. What, what was he saying there? This was a general term between um, uh, Jews and, and Samaritans. Gentiles, no man, you know, you know, he he couldn't do it. And how did how did she still get her healing? By taking it. Why? Because she knew that the covenant, the new, didn't come in yet. But this Jesus is here. He is God. I can. Same with the woman with the issue of blood, with the hemorrhage, yeah, with the the one with the period that was not stopping, right? And then. Touches the hem of the God and escapes. And Jesus said, who touched me? Right? Why? Because I have, I have not yet been sent to everyone. I have been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Why? I'm fulfilling a task according to the law and the prophets. Let's rush quickly. Number six. As a shadow and a metaphor of the realities in Christ. Uh, this is huge. Let's read here together Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 to 4. One, two, go, if you can see. I'll read for us, it's fine. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered. Did you hear that? He said if the sacrifices were actually purifying them, they would have stopped. Okay? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So then... All the things that you are reading in the Old Testament relating to the sacrifices and all the temple and all. They are typifying and pointing that Christ Jesus will become the lamb. He will become the high priest. He will be, we will be the temple. There is a manifestation that's coming, but right now we only have the shadow. And many people want to go back to the shadow while the reality is here. This is what Jesus told to the Pharisees. He said, you read the scriptures as if in them you will find life. And these scriptures are the ones that testify about me. And yet you do not come to me. It's like having a long-distance relationship or your spouse had to go study in the UK or something for two months. While they are there, what do you do? You use Skype and uh, Teams and Zoom. You have a picture that you carry in your wallet every time you take it out, you know. You You know? I miss you. You know? That's what you do. Now imagine the person came back and one day they find you in the kitchen (laughs) with a picture. I am here! I am here! Why will you be with the pictures and with the Zooms and all of that if I am here? And this is what Jesus said. I am here now. Everything must now come to me. Colossians chapter 2 verse 16. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, or a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you were asking, yeah, but I read in my Bible, thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. When is the Sabbath? It's from Friday night to Saturday night. Then why are we in church on Sunday morning if we are a Bible-believing church? Hmm? Hmm? It's because (laughs) the Sabbath is fulfilled in Christ. We have entered rest. We have entered Sabbath. He said, come unto me all you are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So we worship him how many days a week? Every day. Every day. We are the true fulfillment of the Sabbath. Now if they say that in Israel to the Jews, they will stone you. But Christ is the, is the reality. Are you with me? So the law was just foreshadowing. Christ is the fulfillment. Amen. And some of you are asking, yeah, but what about you know, uh, love the Lord your God all your heart, all your, you know, and those those kind of do not take the Lord's name in those kind of good commandments. We'll deal with that in week number four. Amen. How you how you how, mm, we have received another law. We don't love our spouses and not commit adultery because the law says so. We do it because we love them. Amen. Mm. Amen? We don't just do the basics. What does the law say? Give how much? 10%. Here you go. No, but that guy wants to give more. No, no, it's not allowed. Do you understand? It makes us generous. It makes us liberal. It makes us open. It makes us free to live by the Spirit. Number seven, because some are asking, yeah, but does that mean then that we should go on sinning so that grace may abound? Right? Week number four. Don't miss that one, otherwise you'll be left with this bondage studies here this morning. <laughs> Number seven is to distinguish Israel from all other nations. Quickly here, now if you obey me fully, Exodus 19, and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Is this special? Yeah. Israel is special to God. Sorry. Some of you, you don't like that. But Sometimes God likes the one that the people don't like. <laughs> no, the siblings are like, no, no, sell him, sell him, sell him. You remember Joseph? Joseph is a type and shadow of Jesus. He was sold by his brothers for how much? Pieces, 30 pieces of, of silver. Yeah? Right? And then he becomes king and he delivers nations. It's a type of Jesus. Okay, You will be a treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine, all the nations are mine, all the Namibians are mine, all the Africans are mine. You, Israel, will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are to be the words you speak to the Israelites, God speaking to Moses the mediator. So the law was going to give them a culture, a lifestyle, and a, a way of living that was very different from all the nations that surrounded them. The nations that surrounded them would take their children and burn them in the fire to the god Molech, right? Would send their daughters to be priestesses of the, of the Asherah, Asherah goddess, right? And in Israel, no, it's not a law, okay? And so God gives them this law to distinguish them from all the nations, to set them apart from the effects of sin and then to begin to bring prophets in that will prophesy the word of God and then the word of God will begin to course through a nation and be manifested in the fullness of time. The word becomes flesh. Are you with me? Okay. Uh, as we conclude, just give us next one. No, go back. There's another title there, question. Is the covenant of the law useful and re- relevant for today? I've got one scripture that we need to read with regards to this. Timothy, First Timothy 1 chapter 5. It says, but the goal of our instruction, Paul speaking to Timothy, is love from a pure heart from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. Some people have strayed from these and have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person the law is not made for a righteous person the law is not made for a righteous person we were reading in galatians once the the schoolmaster has brought us to christ we are no longer under the schoolmaster Christ is more than able to make us holy. Christ is more than able to make us good. Christ is more than able to make us righteous. Christ is more than able to fulfill everything that the law could not do. (laughs) Hallelujah. And Some people want to be uh, bigamists and polygamists. Married to the law and married to Christ. You can't do that. It's against the law. (laughs) Realizing the fact that the law is not made for righteous, but those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and worldly, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. So what does the law do? The law... Makes you aware of your condition. It cannot cure you. It only makes you aware, like a good doctor. It explains nicely with the PowerPoint. You see here, this is your, your bio rhythms, and here they are going down. And now you see here your blood composition and on. So he spends time going into the heart of hearts, telling you your condition until you are breathing heavy and losing and despairing for hope. And then he said, but you know, there's this new research that we have done, and there's a cure now. <laughs> hey, So let me bring out this massive injection. <laughs> right? Massive injection, and some would have run away if they saw that massive injection without the explanations. And so, when we don't show people their sin, they have no need for Christ. They say, I've got money. Why do I need Jesus? I've got friends. Why do I need Jesus? I'm happy in life. <laughs> Why do I need Jesus? Okay. Have you ever lied? Yeah. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? OMG! ah, 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 ah. Have you ever done that? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever disobeyed and dishonored your parents? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The wages of sin is death. And say, yeah, how can you say such hateful things? It's not hateful. If someone is walking towards a cliff and you love them, You will do everything to block them. To warn them. Hey! There's a cliff there. And there is a cliff coming. And let me announce to you, if you've never heard it said, there is a day coming soon when the Son of God will descend on the earth no longer to deal with sins and all of that as a judge of the living and the dead. And those who have forsaken Christ have forsaken their deliverance, and are on their way to the lake of fire. An eternal death. How can you say that? It's because God is just. Do you think that people like Hitler should go to hell? Yeah. They killed millions of people. Idi Amin? Yeah, they should go. You? No, I'm a good person. <laughs> Church, are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't be discouraged. Don't worry. We have good news. You are here today. <laughs> you know We have the good news. When you begin to paint the terror of the Lord, the salvation of Christ is sweet. You will not backslide. Well, what will you backslide to? To hell. To death. To destruction. To condemnation. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Okay, let us stand and pray and then we'll. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you are here this morning, you are not born again, I want to invite you to come after the service. Please don't leave this. Okay? things can happen today that snatch away your opportunity make right with god today amen can we lift up our hands to the lord father thank you lord father thank you lord that we are no longer under the law and because we are no longer under the law we are under grace and therefore sin will not have dominion over us satan will not have dominion over us Thank you, Lord, that in the coming weeks, we will understand what Christ has done in the new covenant. Father, we thank you that even now, for those of us who have already received Christ, that we have eternal life. That we are walking in the joy and freedom of the Lord. I feel the Holy Spirit saying, there are people here, you are struggling with sin and you are questioning your salvation. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, don't do that. Look to the cross of Christ. Look, he was hanging there not for his own sins. He was carrying your judgment, your condemnation, your sins already paid for. So that you could be free. Only believe, only believe, only believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be transformed. Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are speaking to people this very morning. Thank you, Lord, that your strength and your life is upon you. Upon us, Lord, and flowing this morning. Thank you, Jesus. As we go home, Lord, I pray that this word will search our hearts. Those of us who just come to church, we are not born again. Search our hearts. And we will not be shocked on that day. Uh, that we will allow the Word of God to really root out every evil work of the enemy and bring us to a place of freedom and sanctification. We honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.